0: interview is with Daniel Minceris. He's the kind of keyboard player, also Ableton running guy for St. Vincent. And I met up with him last summer, actually. So this is this is honestly one of the first interviews I ever did. And I'm putting it out now um, because St. Vincent just played at the Grammys. It seems like good timing. But I met up with him in the the AWOL Nation tour bus during the festival after we played, before they played. I um, I don't know. It's hard for me to evaluate this interview because I was honestly a bit buzzed. I'd been drinking during the day and I was swimming in the ocean and then was like, oh shit, I have to, I'm supposed to meet this guy. Um, but I'm glad that I did. He's uh, just a really sweet dude and so interesting. His story is pretty fun to follow as well as uh, the way he just calmly walks through how he runs his life on tour and how he's kind of... It's a big job to be in charge of the Ableton component of a band because you kind of like... If shit hits the fan, everyone's going to be looking at you. And I've had to be that guy in certain bands, and I do not enjoy the pressure of it. Uh, But I also don't know it as well as he does. Not even close. But anyway, it's a really sweet interview. I hope it's not too clear... Um, my inebriation in it, but here's Daniel Manceres. Today I'm lucky enough to have Daniel is that Am I saying it correctly? Minceris. I usually say Minceris. Minceris. Okay. Uh, with me, you are currently on tour with St. Vincent. You're
1: doing Keys as well as Ableton with her? Like That's right. In my case, Keys and Ableton are sort of the same thing. Okay. Because um, you're playing the keys through Ableton. That's right, because Ableton is my host and all, all the sounds... Are being performed live and generated in Ableton using various okay various instruments, software instruments within Ableton.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm bringing that up mainly because I was when looking you up, I saw that like you have some tutorials on how to better use Ableton for live setups for
1: live performances. That's right. Yeah. Lynda.com hosts some pretty cool courses. Um, about well many things, but uh, including audio and music, yeah, and a couple of years back, I made a course for them about using Ableton on stage. yeah, I watched uh, I watched some previews. I didn't purchase the actual
0: <laughs> videos, but I watched the previews and it looks very legit. Um, for people who might listen who don't know what Ableton is, it's a digital interface for programming sounds for live performances, right?
1: Uh, is there a better well, way that, to describe that's, it? that's definitely a, a one very legitimate way to use it, but you can do a lot of things with Ableton. It's yeah, it's yeah, a digital yeah, yeah, audio yeah. workstation, DAW. Yeah. Uh, you can you can definitely use it for live performance in a variety of ways. Uh, maybe sometimes even more like a DJ, uh, and and it's also I think is really good for just playing keyboards uh, and yeah. hosting various sounds. Um, You can also, a lot of people use Ableton for songwriting yeah, uh, because it has really cool sort of on-the-fly capabilities that allow you to capture an idea and then Mm. work with it later and build an arrangement. Yeah. I have a
0: lot of friends that do writing on Ableton, but I for some reason can't get my head around it the right way. Right. The logic, like form, the layout seems to make more sense to me.
1: Yeah, Ableton has sort of two layouts. One is the traditional one that everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also session view that mystifies a lot of people. Yeah, see that even playing in bands where like
0: I've triggered the Ableton thing, I've never fully understood it. Which we don't we're not gonna do a master class on Ableton right no, now, but we, <laughs> we should stay away from that. Um, but we're sitting in the back of the bus right now at Hangout Fest in Alabama. I'm We're hanging out. We're hanging out at Hangout. Like
1: you're supposed to. Yeah.
0: I uh, might smell a bit right now. I played the show and I went directly into the ocean uh, afterwards. So it's not a proper shower. So I hope it's so not So you smell of
1: fresh ocean...
0: NBO, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> a combination, a cocktail, <laughs>
0: yeah. But yeah, So so you're on tour with St. Vincent right now. I am. And I'm really excited to see you guys play later.
1: Thanks. I've actually Thanks. I'm never we're excited to play.
0: I've played some festivals with you guys, but never... It's always that thing of like, well, we're playing Friday and you guys are playing Sunday right. or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so that's never worked out. So this will be my first time catching you. But to start uh, a bit back at the beginning of how you got into music and touring, I saw you were born and raised in Lithuania?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Lithuania. Uh, I moved to Philadelphia when I was... Uh, Nineteen, And just to pursue music? Uh, actually, my family moved to the States. Oh, okay. So you went yeah. with your family. And uh, and yeah, I went to school in Philly. and called it home for a few years. And then I moved to New York. New York. And you still live in New York? I still live in New York, yeah. New York is definitely home now. Yeah. New York is probably more home than any other place I've ever lived. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm one a- of those... Transplants who become passionate New Yorkers. Isn't that like every New Yorker though? Uh, except <laughs> the ones that grew up there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what do you have a? Do you prefer a certain area of New York City? Uh, I like where I am. I live in the north of Manhattan. It's a pretty quiet, relatively quiet neighborhood yeah. called Washington Heights. Yeah. I've been there for a good while, and only more recently does it turn out that, it, among other things, it's great for raising kids. Oh, a, okay. Of which I have one. So. Okay. Yeah, it's working out pretty well. I uh, like it. There are lots of parks around, very family oriented, just kind of removed from all the all the downtown and Brooklyn <laughs> madness, which yeah. I like to participate in, but wouldn't but necessarily like want to. But you like to leave when in. you're that's done, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not,
0: not always stay in it. Yeah. Uh, that's nice. I've never spent any time in Washington Heights, but it sounds like. Yeah, lovely.
1: not a lot of people have, uh, even New Yorkers. But. Um, It does make for some lengthy commutes sometimes, yeah. because a lot of the action is in Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, I actually don't mind it. It's a good way to get some reading done. Yeah. On the subway? That's right.
0: Well, so you moved to the States, and you started studying more music, though? Because you started playing piano
1: when you were really young, right? I started piano at seven, yeah. And I just, uh, yeah, I went to music college back in... Vilnius in my hometown and then when I moved to Philly I continued I basically transferred to Temple University Okay. and I studied in the jazz arranging and composition program there and did you play in any bands or anything like that back in Lithuania Uh, yeah I sort of started a little band in Lithuania and then played maybe in one other band but I yeah I, I didn't really I wasn't familiar with the with the band culture somehow I didn't end up as part of it. Yeah. Um neither there nor here, I have to say. Hmm. So, yeah, just kind of studied and played with my friends a little bit.
0: That's fun. Is there is there not much of like a band scene? I'm out sure
1: there? there is, but you just s- you just didn't find it. I'd, yeah, I missed it somehow. Okay. I think possibly because uh, I studied classical as a kid. And then I studied jazz when I was older, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I just sort of, I guess I didn't spend enough time there as, a, as an older teenager to, to get into bands. Yeah, you know, dive into the scene. 19 is, you know, that's when I left, and before that I was really busy at school. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I did play with some friends, but it wasn't, I suppose it was a band, I don't yeah know. I hesitate to call it a band,
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> we can i mean whatever you want to call it a group a formation a, yeah yeah um and then uh when you moved to New York, like how did you start getting into playing live music with with other people out here
1: in New York? yeah, well, I just kind of looked for every opportunity I wasn't very picky early on i was mm-hmm. I just kind of set out to. I thought, well, here I am. I'm out of school. I want to make a living of this. How do I do that? Yeah, that, that was my main goal. I wanted to prove to myself and others that it's possible. Totally. So I just sort of looked for every opportunity. So just, just you wanted to make your money playing music Newspapers. with people. Yeah. 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 Anything that came my way, I wasn't. I thought of it as an opportunity to hone my craft. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, what was the first time
0: you got paid? to play music?
1: Oh, I guess uh, like live. Well, I was still in school when I got paid. I oh. played, yeah, I played some, I don't know, I think I played some lounge piano in a hotel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every other week or something like that, something for somebody.
0: And I guess that's... They paid th- me for that. Yeah, there's a... I don't know, I don't know what the kind of terms would be, but like, like I've played acoustic guitar at a winery, you know, for like hundred and fifty bucks in a yeah. case of wine, and I loved that. That's a gig. But then I would categorize that differently with like doing a venue like tour, with a band or being like like being paid for to sure. play with somebody else, kind of thing.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Right. I um, let's see. I played with a singer songwriter named Kika. She became a dear friend after that. Um, yeah, I sort of. I ended up. A freelancer on the New York scene, uh, just meeting people by word of mouth, yeah, and through sometimes through them seeing me play, through mutual friends, just any way I could, and just kind of making the rounds, you know, learning the music quickly, every style imaginable, because that's kind r- of
0: so much what it's about. It's just, just being able to do the job camp, faster, really. yeah. yeah,
1: just, and I I put a lot of stock into it. At that point, I thought it was very valuable to be as versatile as possible, yeah, and to but to really pay attention to what makes every kind of music tick, what makes every artist tick, I thought it was a really a worthwhile pursuit to really focus in on each of these little projects, yeah uh, and see what I can bring to it, and how I can best be a part of it, contribute to it um, in the best Cause, way because it's not just like a like vers, it's not
0: it's not only a versatility in playing a lot of times it's like a versatility in reading personality as well and like what 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 someone wants right what someone needs out of out of you for the performance or for for the song
1: exactly it's also a versatility in what skills to use what skills not to use yeah how to listen how to be creative in a way that suits the project yeah it's pretty good schooling
0: it's a combination I think of probably a few unique skills to be able to be great at that you know like diving into a band and then figuring out which of your musical skills to use, which of your personality skills to use, which of your comedy skills maybe to, to not use or to use <laughs> right? uh, not offend anyone or, right. Yeah and so you, and you just kept gigging and, that, and and essentially, do you feel like that's still the path you're on? You're just for way further down on it. It still sort
1: of feels that way. It feels a little less that way in the last few years because... Um, maybe more than a few years, I suppose. When I, when I started touring more, because for a while, I was just a local freelance musician. So you were just gigging in Manhattan kind yeah. of thing. head Manhattan, Brooklyn, yeah. Um, and then after a little while, I started, I started touring a bit more. And... Uh, that takes you out of the scene, obviously, while you're gone. It's always... Yeah. I remember feeling like I was really missing out. Um, but yet, of course, I was loving being on tour and playing for bigger audiences with with people who, I don't know, sold tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that you actually uh, felt like you were a part of something that was doing something yeah, or had right, a purpose.
1: Right, exactly. Just in a bigger way. Yeah. Uh, it felt... It felt like an experience of another caliber, which by then I had felt like I um, had been preparing for and was ready for. Hmm. Who was your first tour with? First proper tour was with Marianne Faithful. I'm not familiar. I, Marianne I'm Faithful for. is a sort of rock icon from, mm, you might say, the 80s. Okay. Some 70s, 80s. She was sort of on the English rock scene with the Rolling Stones. Okay. I'll uh, have to check that out. And came out of that and kind of went through a lot in her personal life and kind of came out stronger for it and became became a sort of female empowerment rock icon. Oh. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> have to look it into was very it. cool. It was a great experience musically and professionally and, and it was also great to be around someone who's that charismatic and and that sort of real. Yeah, in a way. Uh, yeah, it was really good. I did that for a few mm-hmm. years. And
0: was that like your first tour? Did it did it meet your expectations? Did it exceed it? Uh,
1: in well, both, both. In well, it's funny. In in some ways, actually, my expectations were higher than. Uh, in some funny ways, my expectations were higher. For example, uh, th- than than what I ended up, yeah. ended up witnessing. Yeah. For example, I had an expectation that everything would be really, really well organized at all times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, for example, I thought that there would be like really ample rehearsal time to really mm-hmm. get the music to sound its best. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of I, rehearsals that ended up I'm smiling. The first people shows. can't see it, but I'm yeah. smiling. Because none of that happened. Yeah. But it was good. It was good for me to to see how things work in the real world sometimes. That you yeah. just you just jump in, one, two-hour rehearsal, and then you go play a show for yeah. 2,000 people. People expect you to just that's fine. do it. And that's fine. Well, I mean, there are different, obviously very different cultures uh, with different artists. Some artists do that. Some artists would never do that. Yeah. Uh, so, some artists... Uh, rehearse ad nauseum to the point where you're like let's just Burt, get out and yeah, play. Burnt because, out of the music already, yeah. yeah. So but in that situation Yeah, I mean I was prepared. Certainly if if nothing else, I knew to be prepared. Yeah. Uh whether or not other people are prepared is another matter. And yeah. you know, and then later down the road I also learned the value of not being prepared. How what do you mean by that? Sometimes it's good not to be prepared because then uh, there are fewer expectations, and you are m- in the moment more, and you're just using whatever skills you have without mm-hmm. thinking about it. You're not as married to like the audio recording of it or something. You're not married. You don't. Know? You don't. You don't know what's happening. Yeah. And and that sometimes can be great because your instincts just have a more direct channel. Yeah. to the audience and to your fellow musicians. And I I, that's something I saw with the older musicians on that tour and something I was, I was trying to learn in a hurry, yeah. uh, sort of where finesse in performance was not what it was about at all. Mm. It was about the moment. It was about the magic that has, somehow mysteriously has to be summoned yeah. uh, for, for the people in the audience And how do you do that preparation is maybe not the way yeah I mean it helps to know what key the song is in but (laughs) yeah um, you know if you don't then you'll find out in a measure or two so yeah
0: well and it's also that kind of mentality only works when you have a certain level of skill and experience going into it obviously like uh, but I think so Having those tools in place, yeah, I guess that could lead to the most kind of inspirational performance.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's another way that it can... I've thought a lot over the years about the value of skill. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm comfortable with both ways of thinking about it. One being that skill is necessary, and the more of it you have, the better... And then it's just a matter of being judicious in how you use it. But I'm also comfortable with the idea, even though I've basically, you know, I, I won't ever fully experience that because I already have the skills and it's very difficult yeah. difficult to unlearn things. But I do see a lot of value in not having skill. Uh, not having versatile sort of, I can play anything at any moment kind of skill. Uh, because then, you know, let's say, let's say you're 16 and you start a band with your buddies and then you do that for 40 years with those people mm-hmm. that's a very different skill set yeah. it's a very limited skill set one might say Like all all you know how to play is those songs Yeah, but you learned how to play your instrument just with these 3-4 yeah. people and it, that makes for a much more unique approach to the instrument than you can develop in any other way and so that's I, I gradually learned the huge value of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I would I would compare that to, like, studio recording these days where it's like... I, I sometimes try to limit my options because it, it's like if you, if you had 16 snares, you're going to try out every single snare for every single song, but if you had one snare, you would learn how to make that snare sound great on every single track or how to affect it the right way, and you would go deeper rather than wider. I don't know. Sometimes I find myself jealous of... Of people that are just like, well, uh, I know how to. Pl- I play this guitar, like, <laughs> and, and with these guys, yeah, yeah. And, and we do it our way, or just like you know, I had a teacher for some Berkeley music program I did when I was 15, who was so hard on all and on everyone about not trying to learn from yourself. You need to learn from everyone else before you can start to feel like your own musician, and that made me so upset because these all the greats had their own style and their own approach to it and they never would have if they were told they had to do it a specific way and you you'll never kind of come up with the most original thing if you're narrowed down in a lane of how you're supposed to do it so or at least it's harder yeah at least it's harder rather than just like giving someone a piano and telling them nothing about it and say just like play this two hours every day for the rest of your life and what would you do with it you know maybe they treat it like a percussive instrument more than a melodic instrument i don't know yeah yeah thanks for saying that (laughs) Um, but i also think that perspective takes a lot of skill to be able to look back and understand what that perspective even is because i think a lot of people that 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 lack the skill might just wish that they had what you have yeah
1: yeah i meet people all the time who don't think that they have as much skill as they wish they had or as they think I do or something or mm-hmm. some other people have and and I always try to talk them out of it <laughs> I'm always <laughs> like dude you, what you have is really amazing you know yeah. hold on to it and keep honing it um and I wish I was more like you but yeah. then they're like I wish I was more like you so yeah.
0: obviously the grass is always greener
1: yeah i can't have it yeah. all well, how long ago was it that you did this first tour That first store started in 2005, Uh, and I think maybe ran through 2009 or so Mm -hmm. with breaks. So you've been essentially touring on and
0: off for the last 13 years-ish.
1: Sounds about right. Uh,
0: And how has your relationship with being on the road changed since then?
1: Uh, The main change occurred when my son was born, about three and a half years ago. But generally speaking... It hasn't that much. Mm-hmm. I like it. I still like it. You still get excited about it. I do. I do. That's great. Yeah, I don't. I don't tend to get worn out on the road. Mm. I remember early on, as I mentioned, I, I would have a slight sort of fear of missing out uh, about what what's going on in the local scene. But since I've been touring more, I'm not on the local scene all that much anyway. Yeah. So I'm. I'm sorry, I'm not. I don't know what I'm missing. You've
0: transitioned into the other world rather than
1: missing the old world. Uh, Yeah, I suppose. Um, In some ways, I still miss it, you know, because I wish... Sometimes I wish I had more to do when I was home. Yeah. But then again, in the last three years or three and a half years, I kind of don't because it's good to be home and, like, really be home. Yeah, and have that time. uh, When you have a kid. So... That's awesome. <laughs> That's a very hmm. positive look. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, I, I don't tend to get worn out. Hmm. I, um, and you know, and uh, I've gone through different ways of being on the road. You know, early on I was obviously really excited to go to all these new places I'd never yeah. been and go exploring and walk for 10 hours a day and just take in everything I could. Hmm. And after a while I was getting tired of it and I was resenting being in all these places <laughs> that everybody else would die to just go and be paid to be. Yeah. Uh, because I felt like I wanted to just play and go home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I got over that and um, and then I discovered there's another way to be on the road which is to essentially try to maintain your home lifestyle. Okay. Uh, so, you know, what would you be doing? Would you be working on music? Okay, well now thankfully there are ways to work on music while mm-hmm. you're on the road you just, you have to have discipline about yeah. it but you can do it so you try to maintain your same rituals at home on the road as well to some extent obviously it's not possible 100 percent. yeah i remember there were a couple of tours uh you know one one thing that makes me feel at home is that i can cook in my kitchen Yeah. Right? so i actually made a little portable kitchen in a bag really and brought it on the road and I, uh, on and the I, bus I, yeah that's crazy uh I would. I mean, I didn't necessarily always cook on the bus. Although sometimes I did. I was careful. Uh, <laughs> but it you wasn't, like it like wasn't on a moving bus. Hot plates and stuff like that. Yeah, right? yeah. Sometimes I cooked outside, like set up a little station. That's awesome. Using a keyboard case or something. And you would cook for the band? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I think once I tried. <laughs> okay. That's hard with a hot plate. Yeah. Um, but for yourself. But for myself and maybe someone else who happened to be around. Yeah. Um, I did pretty well Hashtag Turbos cuisine Yeah On Instagram <laughs> from, I'll find you on there From a while back Yeah <laughs> Okay Yeah I don't know if If anyone else Ever used that hashtag Maybe they have Well I'll find out After we're done <laughs> we I'm yeah. gonna someone look it up Yeah That that was You know it Obviously wasn't for Necessarily for the purposes Of sustenance Although I do like to eat Good food mm-hmm. Um And not pay a lot for it Yeah Um but more than anything, it was in order to maintain a semblance of home life. Yeah. Feel kind of domesticated. I've never heard of anyone doing that. That's really... Yeah, it's a little crazy. That's pretty rad. It's a little crazy, but I enjoyed it. Awesome. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Being on tour is cool because... It, well, I suppose it depends, but... Um, I've often been very lucky to tour with people whose company I really enjoy yeah so and that makes
0: a a huge difference I mean because they become your your touring family
1: yeah you can be spending a lot of time with these people on the bus but we get into some really amazing conversations and discover things about each other and the world and we're just great friends you know
0: yeah I mean mean, it's not very often you just like basically change roommates or like uh, even if the band stays the same if you have a different crew or something like that or But but especially when you change bands And all of a sudden you're like Well, cool I mean, when I joined this band Wall Nation Isaac was very much like uh, We both just opened up to each other About everything Because it was like Well, we're gonna be living together For a long time So might as well just Cut right through all the bullshit And go straight to like The heavy stuff of who we are Kind of thing Which was really refreshing That he had the similar approach That I would like to take
1: Totally
0: Yeah but,
1: uh... And you you know Isaac through music, too. He said you guys did a show together? Yeah, we did a show together in L.A. I had a brief stint of living in L.A. a few years back. And, uh... We played with film composer Craig Wedron. Yeah. I hear his name all the time from, yeah. from Isaac. <laughs> yeah, super talented guy. And, uh... I was lucky enough to meet Isaac on that. Yeah, it was really fun. That's cool. He said you were great.
0: That's <laughs> no, so. very nice. <laughs> He's a nice guy. Um... I mean not so nice that he would exaggerate about how good you were but uh-huh. <laughs> but nice enough where you would let me know if you were. Um in case he listens to this. He's yeah, he's alright. Um but yeah. Well, that's that's all really cool. It's, so you had a kid three and a half years ago you were saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah, my son was born essentially in the middle of tour. Okay. So it took it took some doing to be able to step away from Saint Vincent and not disrupt things. Yeah, you took a break too. In too much. 2015. Was it? Uh, he was born in 2014. Okay. So it was still very much going. Yeah. Very much going. And I was able to ask someone to step in who was able to do that without much rehearsal, and it's not an easy it's not an easy situation to step into yeah because th- there was a lot on my shoulders mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm very thankful to him it's a guy named Peter Dyer Peter Dyer a LA guy yeah and then and then you ended up uh,
0: transitioning back into St. Vincent after
1: well I only took two months off oh okay so it was only for uh, a little bit was it I guess it was two months off around the birth and then maybe another month a little bit later. Something like that. Yeah. I'm a little vague on
0: the details. I mean, but that that's the dream situation where you can, when things arise and you have to take care of life issues, or matters of life, and um, new life, um, and then you're able to go back to the project you were working on. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: yeah, I got very lucky. I got lucky with Peter Dyer, and I also got super, super lucky in general in life with Annie Clark, St. Vincent who was incredibly gracious about yeah. the whole thing well you're obviously valuable to her if she
0: was going to work around you like that so that's cool which is like it makes a huge difference when you're touring with someone when you feel valuable and and that's important to the it people you're it makes a difference yeah. in,
1: in, in any work yeah um,
0: and then you went back with the band touring and uh, how is that have you ever brought your son on the road is that tough to to make that transition to being at home and then being back on the road for a while.
1: Yeah, well, he, he's young enough that every time it happens, it's a different scene because he's it's changing, constantly changing so much. Yeah. So very early on, uh, my wife and and he did come out on the on a short run, and he, you know, slept in the back lounge, <laughs> uh, in his in his pack and play um but he certainly doesn't remember it he was much too young but yeah. it was but it was I was very happy to have them both along yeah um and again grateful to to the band and crew for being so cool yeah. about it um, Cause that that had to be really fun to have b- both versions of your life in one place it was it was kind of crazy yeah <laughs> it was kind of crazy <laughs> um but then Well then Saint Vincent took a, a pretty lengthy break and I was at home a lot more in yeah. the little tours that I did do. Um that kinda didn't make sense to bring him. Yeah. Um, but he might come out now that we're on the road again, he might come out for a spell here and there. I guess yeah. I see.
0: Yeah. I mean that's the the guitar player in this band, Well, he his dad was the drummer for Pearl Jam for a while, and he, I, I, there's all these pictures of him as like a three or four year old on the road with them, and it's so funny.
1: Oh, how cool! To,
0: to check it out like that and see like him and his mom touring with his dad like right. that, And uh he, I mean, yeah, he doesn't really remember it, but I'm sure, I'm sure your son will be thrilled when he's older to look back on all these photos of him in these places. There, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're taking photos, but if you're taking photos, <laughs> he'll see <laughs> I them. I think we'll probably I'm take sure. some photos. They'll be like, "Damn, I was a cool kid." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. I guess um, I'll cut out some some pauses and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it seems like you have a really positive approach to to all all of these things. I mean, um, you kind of decided
1: at a young age. This is just. The life for you, playing music and figuring it out. Actually, I didn't decide at a young age. I I didn't decide until I was maybe 18. Okay. And I didn't even know exactly what I decided, but I just knew. Well, sometimes
0: it's not even a decision. It's just like this is what I have to do, right? I mean,
1: that's usually right. how I start
0: this podcast anyway. It's just about like was it a choice or was it a
1: you know or was it not a choice? You right. know, because sometimes. Right, you do meet a lot of people for whom it was not a choice. It was just the the obvious and maybe the only path. Yeah, that's the thing. Sometimes it's like, I can't do anything else. (laughs) That's (laughs) all I'm good at. For me, I have to say it was not. Yeah. It was not the only path. In fact, there were many other paths, and my parents reminded me about it for a
0: long time. (laughs) Did it take a while for them to get on board with the lifestyle?
1: Yeah, yeah, it did but yeah once i once i decided i have to say i never certainly never regretted it and never looked back yeah even though there are lots of challenges that that come yeah. with it yeah obviously yeah. yeah and also i i had no idea exactly what the life would entail i had no role model of any kind mm-hmm. i didn't have anyone in the family who was in the business in any way uh, didn't have any friends who had anything to do with it. It, it was a complete mystery, and maybe that's what I liked about <laughs> it. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I knew that music sort of kept pulling me, and I wanted to be part of it somehow. And I figured, well, I had ideas about what I thought was going to happen, but what really happened just kind of happened. Yeah. Know? You don't really have control over. So some of yeah, those I can't. I can't say that I forged exactly the path that I imagined when I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if you it's were eighteen and
0: long. looked at where you are
1: now, you'd probably be uh, feel pretty good about it. I'd be pretty <laughs> thrilled. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: well, that's a good place to be. That's
1: one thing about not necessarily having really grand dreams that a lot of people in this business have grand dreams at a young age um i didn't i just knew that i wanted to somehow be a part of music making in some form yeah um but i didn't know what that even meant and i didn't know how it was going to work and what heights i wanted to achieve or what what options there even were i didn't know any of that Mm. so i think that worked out well for me because I just sort of set one little goal after another yeah or well or at the very least I pursued uh, opportunities as they presented themselves based on some vague idea of what I wanted to do but it was always always gradual Mm. so what that means is that basically (laughs) a lot of the time wherever you are is beyond your (laughs) (laughs) wildest dreams
0: (laughs) (laughs) which it's not a bad way to be no that's the that's a pretty that's the right mentality I think to take because like I mean I think the most successful approach is being able to uh, adapt no matter what comes at you but just I mean and you could say you didn't really have an end goal but the end goal was playing music and the end goal was was making a living just playing music contributing to other people's music and performing and so that's a pretty steady end goal you know And, and then just being able to fly with whatever comes your way. it's a valuable approach. And then it's hard to stay in that mindset uh, I think for a lot of people on tour too where it's like, you know, okay well, I'm in Mobile, Alabama, maybe it's not my favorite place, so you just end, you just like sign off instead of trying to make that day the best day. But if you can stay in that place of like like well you know and even if it sucks, maybe it's funny because it sucked you know like you know, now it's just gonna make the next stop that much better but yeah, yeah there's a lot i guess there's a lot of willpower in terms of how you view your life when there's maybe not a ton of things that are like stapling you down to the ground of of being grounded um which i don't everyone has a different degree to which they'd struggle with that in terms of the touring lifestyle the the yeah the staying grounded part yeah yeah because, like, if, like, for me, if things aren't a certain way, like, if, like, recently I moved into a new place, like, in between tours, and then, like, being back on the road right after that for a little bit was kind of like, I don't even know where home is now. I guess this is, I spent more nights on this bus than in my new place, so, uh, you know, that sometimes takes a while to figure out, but, yeah. If you, from touring, especially around the United States, do you have, like, some, go-to spots like some spots across the country that when you're in that city you got to go there because that's what makes you feel stoked about being there or stoked about being on the road
1: (laughs) i certainly like going places and eating good food um but i i'm not very good at keeping track okay at least not in my head i'll you know i'll use an app and make a note (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and find it, and maybe vaguely remember something, and then have to look it up or ask someone. Yeah, I, I've toured with a lot of people who are amazing at just knowing exactly where to go in each spot because they had been there before. Yeah, and they, re, they just remember. I just I don't I don't know what's wrong yeah. with me, but I just don't remember.
0: It's such a spectrum of personalities that I, no. that I've found where it's like, yeah, some people are just. And I, I find myself more on the side of like I'm in Columbus. Well, this is my favorite bakery. This is my favorite restaurant. So I'm going to these places because it makes me feel like I'm at home here. Right. Right. Um, to like uh, the other guys, even in this band, they're like, Where are you going? What's what, is, what are the spots here? You know, even though they've probably been there more than me.
1: Right. But, <laughs> but right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. That's not something I rely on for for maintaining the idea of home in my own head. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think it's cool that I've lived in the same place for a while and it's a place that I like. Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe more than anything, it helps that I have a great partner. Yeah. Uh, first girlfriend and wife. Um. How long have you guys been together? We've been together for 13 years. Okay. Um. And she, you know, I sort of, I felt like she was wherever she was is, is where home was, and yeah, and that was okay. And of course, we missed each other, but we were, but we were good.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and I think having an understanding partner of the lifestyle makes a huge difference it's too. It's crucial.
1: Um, she's amazing, and uh, and uh, for a little while we lived in LA. Actually, we lived in LA for maybe about a year, mm-hmm. and I was on tour for a lot of that. What, did you just move to, to change it up, or was there an opportunity? Uh, a little bit of both. We were sort of trying it out. We didn't yeah. full-on move uh, in the sense that we still had a place in New York, but um, we thought we would give it a try. I felt like it was a good time, a yeah. good opportunity. Um, and uh, even then, I don't remember thinking, I don't know where home is. Yeah. That was always pretty clear. And um, And also by then, I think I was... I was pretty good about uh, just staying productive on the road and and feeling feeling like I pretty much have most of what I need with me. Yeah. Which I guess maybe is not very much.
0: <laughs> but I mean, it's good to keep keep your overhead low. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, being productive on tour too is something that I've had to reshape in my mind wh- uh, how I can feel happy about what I can get accomplished on the road and I guess it depends on what kind of band you're playing with too and the the level at which you're playing and the amount of time you have off but like for example I, I, I keep saying this in every interview I gotta stop referencing this but Isaac is like the most productive guy I've ever seen on tour he brings his little mobile workstation he's cranking out songs he's producing mixing things it's like it's crazy to see him just like lock it down and set up his thing super quickly and get to work where I'm like but we only have an hour. Like, I was going to go for a walk, or I was going to maybe call a friend of mine that I haven't talked to in a while. So, yeah, I I see both ends of the spectrum. If you can be productive, I'm sure it's much more fulfilling, too, when you get home, knowing how much more you accomplished on the road. Yeah. Utilizing your time the right
1: way. For me, the most productive, uh, I'm the most productive when there's a deadline of some sort when there's an expectation (laughs) I'm supposed to deliver something or I'm supposed to be ready for something you know in the next uh, some limited limited amount of time yeah and then you sort of have no choice but that ends up being the best choice yeah Um, because being productive I think is is the best cure for any any kind of tour malaise yeah Uh, I think I think Whenever I've had any kind of tour malaise, it was because I felt like I was... Like, wa- wasting missing, away. Yeah, like life was passing me by somehow. Like I remember early on, it felt a little bit like life was kind of suspended while I was on tour. Mm-hmm. It was waiting for me to get back. And in the meantime, I was just kind of in some sort of limbo. In some yeah. sort of tourist limbo. Yeah. <laughs> but... uh Yeah, I I got out of that. And also, I I enjoyed it early on to some extent because it was great to see places and just hang with people and just kind of experience uh, whatever it was. But at a
0: certain point, you don't need to be in Columbus, Ohio for the eighth time and (laughs) go around and try to find something cool to do. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Well, you have the rest of this tour cycle with St. Vincent coming up?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're on the road through October. That we know of, and um <laughs> who knows what gets
0: piled onto that after that. Sorry. Who knows what gets piled onto to those dates maybe right. after that? Right. Right. We just
1: kind of you know, take it a month at a time.
0: Yeah. Is there anything excited, exciting for you coming up besides that?
1: Uh Not sure yet. Not sure yet one thing that might happen is that I make might make another course for lynda.com okay um that's still in developing stages but yeah and I'm, you help
0: other artists set up their Ableton
1: I do that yeah I, I've done that um most recently for Elvis Castello and the Imposters that's really that fun was, that was really really fun very gratifying um I have to say I, I the the handful of times that I've done that that I've set up tours for other bands that I wasn't a part of Mm -hmm. and just kind of sent them off um, I really enjoyed that work because it's sort of like you get into you're in the band for only a little bit yeah but you do need to understand what works best for them uh, even to the point of figuring out people's personalities and who wants to be in charge of what and so it's um, like
0: a producer, but of a live,
1: of a live essentially, show. Essentially, a, a little bit. Yeah. I'm sure it varies greatly from from project to project. Yeah. But, yeah, I really that was one aspect that I really enjoyed, and then I enjoyed the technical aspect as well, kind of figuring out the best, most transparent way for technology to exist within the yeah. band. That's kind of I, I think of that as my specialty, if I have one, because there's a lot of people setting up setting up playback, you know, just sort of straight up playback yeah and there's a bit of a formula that works for that and that's great yeah um, and I'm happy to do that but um, I also find it really interesting to help people maybe build their sounds and build a reliable way for them to perform with the technology and use the technology directly in performance rather than as, as a playback machine, yeah um, and and also to, to really serve their purposes as live musicians uh, rather than shackle them in any way or constrain you know just the, I use the word transparency you know, just sort of be there and for, for the technology to be there and help them mm-hmm. but not get in the way uh, uh. You know i think I think that's generally the challenge with technology in general, and I've talked about it before, but um, I find that a very cool challenge how much How much can we do? you know the computer is still not great at listening to us, but yeah, uh, how far can we push it to just be helpful and not limit us too much in a way that's not fun yeah so it's it's more of a tool than a constraining.
0: Agent of the band.
1: It's an instrument.
0: I think of it yeah. as an instrument. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, that was really hope. That was really really fun to do, and I hope to do more of it. Yeah, to whoever's rocks. listening, whatever your budget is, <laughs> don't be, don't don't be scared.
0: Um, yeah, reach out to Dan I and mean, Sarah. where where can they find you, <laughs> the these listeners? Uh, well,
1: Instagram is good. That worked. Uh, People and uh, well, they can just email me, I suppose. All right. Mindless Inertia at gmail.com And that's your Instagram handle, not Mindless Inertia. Mindless Inertia is the Instagram handle. All yeah. Right, cool. I'll put I'll put
0: these in the in the ten you know all the subcategories of the podcast. Great, great. Thanks. can find out somewhere. um well that's great well i'm really excited to see you play in a couple hours um i don't nice. know if i don't know if the mics are picking this up but i think it's logic is maybe playing right now on the main stage it's super loud uh, well, maybe yeah something that uh, maybe it's not being picked up in the mics Then i'll just cut all this out but if uh if the last 15 minutes have been plagued by like boom 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 boom, boom, boom. <laughs> um <laughs> that's what it is i think it's Logic. that's just that, that's part of touring <laughs> that's just part of what yeah this whole thing that's we're really excited to to go to sleep here and then hear the chain smokers at like 11 p.m <laughs> when we're just trying to fall asleep yeah because i think we can't get out of here for some reason until 1 a.m but i don't know anyway thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me I, A pleasure I'll let thanks you get for having back me. to me. thanks for reaching out. out but uh yeah hopefully hopefully this isn't uh it's not too crazy to hear your voice talking about these things later down the line but uh I'll send you this podcast as soon as it's up. Okay, thanks. <laughs> it's thanks a lot, yeah. man. Yeah, thanks. thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Goodbye.